the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I was blessed yesterday morning to conduct a funeral service for one of our members. Her name was Marie Bauschwitz, and when she passed to heaven, she was 101 years of age. I would visit her once every six weeks. Vern Karras would visit her once every six weeks. And about two months ago, when I visited her, she was in a certain mood. Perhaps she knew that that her time was coming. And she got very introspective. She said, Pastor, when you live 101 years on this earth, there are joys that came to me that were unique to me. Because of my situation and my station, there were applauses and joys that came to me. And whenever they came to me, there was never a moment I did not look up and say, thank you, Lord, this could never have been from me. This had to have been from you. And then she went a different track, and she said, Pastor, and she listed two or three things that I'll keep private between her and me. She listed things that just made my heart break when she spoke about them. She said, the suffering that I went through at those times They did not last weeks and months, they lasted years. But there was never a moment in those times of suffering that I did not realize the presence of my Lord and Savior. I might not have felt His presence, but there was never a moment I did not realize His presence, His peace, and His strength. 101 years of age, and towards the end, the last weeks, she was just waiting for her final destination. Her Lord and Savior waiting, and all those who had gone before her. Quite a testimony, Marie Bauschwitz, and the life that she lived, and her connection with her Lord. Mercy, as you know, is the overarching theme during this six weeks of Lent. Mercy. It is undeserved love. But you understand as well as I that love can exist in a vacuum. It needs a point of reference. If you love an individual, there's your point of reference. If you love your job, there's your point of reference. If you love your Lord, there's your point of reference. And when it speaks in the Bible about God's undeserved love, there has to be a reference point. Where does your love go, God? Tell me. And if you look past this altar, lift your eyes a little bit, and gaze upon that cross with the shadow in the background, that is where love has ended up. It has ended up on that cross. And it has ended up in the person that hangs upon that cross, namely the one named Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Does the love stop there? Does it stop with the wood on the cross? 
Does it stop with Jesus Christ himself? It goes through the cross, and it goes through Jesus, and guess where it lands? If you were brave enough to look in the mirror this morning and fix yourself up before you came here, because you're not listening online, if you fix yourself up, where did the love end up smack dab in you? The face that you're looking at in the mirror, that's where it ended up. The person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, in the pews here, that's where the undeserved love ended up. Mercy is undeserved love, undeserved forgiveness for the sins, not that Jesus committed, but that you and I committed. What we deserve is harm. If we harm someone else, we deserve harm in return. In the book of Leviticus, that's where you get an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But mercy takes a different path entirely. It takes the path of compassion and forgiveness. If you looked at the Bible and said, what is the main theme? The main theme is the fact that we all sin. Every biography in here, we all sin. And the main theme is forgiveness for our sins. That is mercy. Not an eye for an eye, not a tooth for a tooth. Jesus' death on that cross for our forgiveness and our salvation. Ephesians 2, uh, verses 4 and 5. It could talk about God's power, but it doesn't. It could talk about His law, but it doesn't. It talks about His mercy. God who is rich in His mercy... Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ, forgiving our sins, not holding our sins against us. He made us alive together with Christ. That's the word that it uses. We were dead, He made us alive. When we do the liturgy, the third Sunday of every month, it says we are in a sinful condition and we cannot do anything about that sinful condition because when you're dead, you can't breathe life into yourself. Sin is Satan's realm. Do you think you're going to be able to do battle against Satan without his involvement? Not possible. You are dead in trespasses and sin. God, who is rich in mercy, he took care of the sin. The Calvary came. The Calvary, when it came, it looked Satan in the eye and said, leave him alone. And it looked us dead in the eye and said, You've asked for forgiveness. You are forgiven. Spring forth to a new life. And so we shall. So we shall. On Ash Wednesday, if you were here, if you're listening online, it was mercy in ashes. And we talked about the great forest fires that sweep through the western part of our country, destroying hundreds of thousands of acres. And when the forest fire has done its worst, what do you have left? Do you have ashes? Is that the end of the story? Is ashes the end of the story? Check out two weeks later. When the first tiny baby evergreen tree pops through the ashes, when the seeds that can only be released, the flowers in them released when a great heat has come. Check out a forest two weeks later. Check it out a year later. Check it out two years later. Ashes are not the final word. Here comes the most beautiful flowers imaginable. 
And here comes the pine trees and the ferns and everything else. Why does it happen? Because the fire destroys the surface, but the roots are underneath. And the fire cannot get through the ground and destroy those roots. Those roots are sunk deep into the nutrients of the soil that the fire lets loose. When ashes come into our life, And there is no one here, and there is no one at Parkview, and there is no one at St. George's Catholic Church, and there is no one listening online who, if you've lived long enough, you have not had ashes come into your life. Is the ashes the end of the story? For the prodigal son, were the ashes the end of his story? For King David, after the sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, were the ashes the end of his story? For Simon Peter, who cursed and swore, I don't know who Jesus is. Leave me alone. Uh, Were his ashes the end of the story? Zacchaeus stealing money, Matthew stealing money, tax collectors. Were the ashes the end of their story? Mercy came. I wish I knew what the prodigal son did with the rest of his life. I know what Zacchaeus did with the rest of his life. I know what David did with the rest of his life. And after Pentecost, I know what Simon Peter and the disciples did with the rest of their life. Your ashes are not the end of your story. And sitting there for a half an hour listening to Marie Bauswitz talk about the ashes in her life and what God did with those ashes, I'll never forget that moment and that day when her heart was delivering what God had done for her. The ashes of your addiction, the actions of the bad choices that you and I make, they are not the end of the story. From the ashes of our life, there can come forth a beauty that would never have existed had the ashes not come. What would happen to the thief on the cross and his ashes if Jesus hadn't maneuvered himself right by his side? What would the ashes of Zacchaeus' poor choices have been if Jesus hadn't popped up underneath that sycamore tree? Mercy and ashes indeed. Pastor Sauer, beautiful sermon last week. If you're listening online, you got to hear half of it. We got that corrected. Mercy and temptation, do you remember? Is there mercy and temptation, loudest amen possible? Why is there mercy and temptation? Because you don't go through temptation alone. When you're going through temptation, it's the loneliest time you have on this earth. No one is around as you face temptation and as you face Satan, but someone is around, and that is our Lord through the working of the Holy Spirit. No one else may understand the anguish you're going through when temptation comes, except someone else who has the addiction of alcohol, or someone else who's lost a baby. They understand what you're going through, but they're not there. They're not there. I will never understand what cancer is and the fear it produces. My son might have had it, my mom might have had it, but I haven't, and I pray I don't ever get it. But for you who do... Only you know what that cancer does to an individual. Only you know. But you're not alone. 
are you? Marie Bouchweitz, you were never alone, were you? And you knew it. Mercy in temptation. Jesus goes out into the wilderness. Who's with him? Holy Spirit. Bible says Holy Spirit left him, led him out into the wilderness. Did he leave and say bye-bye? See you in 40 days. He was always there. And when those temptations came, the Holy Spirit works through God's Word, this defense of yours. And when the temptation came, is the Holy Spirit who's sitting on his shoulder and giving Jesus the encouragement to say, man does not live by bread alone, gives him the encouragement to say, do not tempt the Lord your God, gives the encouragement to say, worship God only and serve Him only. Are you alone in temptation? No, God's mercy comes. And you are never alone. God's mercy comes. Leave this one alone, he belonged to me. But uh, God, your child, fell into sin. Leave him alone. He has asked for forgiveness. I grant it freely because I'm rich in mercy. Never alone. This week, mercy and suffering. Is suffering a theme to be found in the Bible? Is water wet? Is the most prominent theme. 150 times in the Bible that word suffering is used. It is emphasized. It is explained. Our readings today, the hymns that we sang, talk about the suffering of Jesus. And for the 150 times it is mentioned in the Bible, there are a thousand times where someone is suffering like the Israelites in the wilderness. There's a thousand times when a person suffers and the word itself is not used. But you understand through the story that suffering is occurring. 150 times. Some of the most powerful, insightful statements in the Bible revolve around that which Satan brings to God's children, this thing called suffering. Some of the most insightful statements in the Bible revolve around suffering. Let me throw at you Romans 8, 18. It says, The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory about to be revealed to you. Up until a couple of years ago, I always thought it meant, well, when we get to heaven, okay, we're going to suffer on this earth, but when we get to heaven, we're not going to suffer any longer. That's what I thought it meant. When we leave this planet and go up there, then... All the suffering we go through is not worthy to be compared to what heaven offers, but it doesn't just mean that. And talking with, with Marie Bautschwitz, I understand it doesn't just mean that. The suffering of the present time not worthy to be compared to the glory that God will reveal to us. How many times Marie Bautschwitz certainly was one of those who saw the glory of God while she is still on this earth. How many of us have gone through great suffering? And the truth of Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those that love God, even our suffering as, long as, the, as well as our blessing, all things work together for good. How many of us, 
Paul and Connie included, Joshua included, how many of us have been through the most intense suffering imaginable? And before we left this earth, we saw the glory of God. We saw the truth of Romans 8.28. We saw how that suffering was taken into the hands of God and transformed into something that brought us closer to him and made us more compassionate to others. Three things Marie mentioned to me on that particular day. In three different times, she said, here's how that worked for my good. One of them, it was 20 years later, before she looked back and connected the dots. Do you see? The suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory that God will reveal to us. That's what he revealed to Marie. Marie, when you get to heaven, you ain't going to ask me, why did this happen? Because you already know. Paul and Connie, when you get to heaven, you're not going to ask the question, why John at age 27? Because you already know. Mercy and suffering... Because the Holy Spirit is there. And then you have one other verse, Romans 5, 3. I think it's the most profound exposition on suffering to be found in the Bible, if not anywhere else. It says, we rejoice in our suffering because suffering, when it is touched by the mercy of God, suffering when the ingredient of God's mercy is added to it, that suffering produces three things. It produces perseverance in our faith. I'm going to talk about it. Perseverance produces character. I'm going to talk about that. And character produces hope. Let me get to it quickly. How does suffering produce perseverance in our faith? Suffering, if it's health-related, relationship-related, finance-related, spiritually-related. Suffering, when it comes in the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual realm... There comes a time when we realize that this suffering that has come into my life, it is a mountain too high for me to climb. And it is a weight too heavy for me to even try and lift. And it's produced a darkness in my life that it seems no light shall ever come. And you are left choking with panic attacks, inability to breathe. And when we come to that moment, as Marie did, as any one of us do, when we come to that moment, when we realize the mountain's too high to climb, then he comes, then he comes. Then he comes. Matthew eleven twenty eight. great irony in the verse. Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy, heavy laden. Come to me if you're suffering. Come to me, and I will take your suffering upon myself, and you'll walk away with peace. Come to me. Guess what? You can't unless God draws you. John six forty four. no one can come to God unless 
Uh, No one can come to Jesus unless God draws them to Jesus. When the prodigal son said, man, I'm in deep trouble here. This weight, I can't push it off me anymore. I'm going to die. Who made him think about his father, the Holy Spirit? When King David realized from the lips of Nathan that he had sinned greatly, who whispered to him, Holy Spirit? When Simon Peter cursed and swore and said, I don't know who Jesus is, and he goes outside and weeps bitterly, and he's already confessing his sin, who moved him to start weeping, the Holy Spirit? Thief on the cross, suffering greatly, getting ready to die, but he doesn't see his suffering. He sees the glory of heaven already when he asks Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Who whispers to the thief on the cross, why don't you get to the guy right next to you? Who whispered to him, the Holy Spirit? When Marie Bauschwitz was suffering, when Paul and Connie and Joshua were suffering, when dear Jonathan was suffering, when any of you are suffering, who whispers to you, Faith as small as a grain of mustard seed says to the mountain of suffering, Move. Who whispers to you? Him. The Holy Spirit, our Lord and Savior. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. I'll say it quickly. Before the suffering came, you were kind of self-centered, were you not? You were really kind of immature. You were controlling. I'm in charge of everything. You were volatile. But then suffering came. And God's mercy entered the suffering. Look how you've changed. The self-centeredness is gone. The narcissism is gone. The arrogance is gone. How incredibly different you became. Compassion was never who you were. (laughs) Kindness and goodness were never who you were. But look at you now. God's mercy was in your suffering. Look at you now by the grace of God. Compassion has come. Maturity has come. Understanding has come. Kindness and grace and those fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, they came through what? They came through suffering. The ashes weren't the final word. Mercy and suffering. Some people, your next door neighbor perhaps, when their wife died, they became an angry, bitter person. And when your children are saying, how come the next door neighbor is so, always so angry, cussing and everything else, and then you tell him, well, his wife died when, when she was 38. Some people turn to bitterness. But first, so many of us, our character changes when suffering comes. Final word, perseverance, change in character, and those two things produce hope. You're in the hospital room. You're waiting for the doctor. You got up at 6 a.m. in the morning. So if the doctor came at 8 a.m., you'd be in the room, okay? And the doctor doesn't come until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
But when he comes in, the time stops. The doctor has arrived. Hope is there. He might say a good word, and then you rejoice. Thank God. He might say the bad news. But at least you know the news now. And you know who's with you in the news. Hope has come. Here's the irony of hope. Hope does not exist unless you've been in a situation where there is no hope. And if you've been in a situation where there is no hope, and then you hear a song or a friend reminds you, I'm praying for you, or whatever, then all of a sudden, there's hope. He has entered the room. God, stand back. God has entered the room. He doesn't need a red carpet. God has entered the room. Marie Boschwitz, God entered the room. Closing word. The one who entered the room is the wonderful counselor. He'll tell you all you need to know about suffering. And the one who entered the room is the mighty God who created this universe. Do you think your situation is too difficult for God? Think again. He created the universe. The one in you is stronger than the one in the world. He's not just the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. I don't know what sort of relationship you had with your dad. But you know that's your dad. And you know that somewhere in that heart of his, there is a love as strong as the love a mother has for the child. Everlasting Father. And if he's a mighty God, if he's a wonderful counselor, if he's the everlasting Father, then he will be the Prince of Peace in your suffering. I shall always wish that Marie Bautzwitz would have let, let me tape the conversation I had with her. And instead of preaching on a Sunday morning, I would have let you listen to the sermon of her life. Never a moment, the worst suffering I ever had on this earth, never a moment, I did not realize his presence with me. As it is for her, so it is for you and I. In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, take the word that God has given to us, those promises, and through the working of the Holy Spirit, may they find entrance not just into our ears and our brain, but may they find an entrance into our hearts, And may they be the strong anchor and the peace that you desire your children to have. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.